This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Every uh, Tuesday, generally we have Natalie, but we're always thrilled when Missy uh, takes her place and shows up. How are you doing this morning? I'm well. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, it's Tuesday. Uh, uh, we've had nothing but good news. We're going to have even more good news today. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about, I, I, I don't even know, I, I assume if I go to the website, uh, MaidenCountyGives.org is the website, by the way, if you want to find out about what we're talking about or any other information about the Community Foundation, that this has been a fairly busy time a year for you guys just because of taxes and all that, right? Absolutely, it has I been. mean, just the detail stuff. Very much so. Do you yes. like that? Um, See, I'd I, like to show up and hand out the checks. That would be my th- part of the job, right? But somebody's got to do all the details. Well, I'll tell you what. I, my favorite part is working with the donors. That's fabulous. But I'm a bit of a geek, probably not a shock. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy the numbers. Well, and all somebody's well. got to do that because that's how you keep growing the money to do more good. Well, uh, is it too late? I mean, clearly at any time people can come talk to you about their passion. And, and I also feel like there's still, when you use the word foundation uh, in this country, it's not a stigma, but I think that there's a barrier that people think, oh, I've got to be a multimillionaire to be a part of this or to do good, right? Absolutely. And you've got people all over the range of gifts, right? We, we really do. And I think that's the thing about a community foundation. You don't have to be... At that top level, you don't have to be about the ones you you read about in the newspaper. This is for each and every family indicator, and everybody can make a positive difference and have an impact. And if you serve uh, on a foundation, uh, I I served six years on the Decatur Public Schools Foundation, and and the thing I learned right off the bat was how much impact a $500 gift can have. I mean, you, you don't in your mind translated to benefiting that many people. But I saw it over and over and over again. It, it truly does. And really, it, it is all of those smaller gifts, the cumulative effect that really moves the needle. I mean, that's that's where we see real impact in our community. So. All right. Well, in this next area that we're talking about, we're going to need more and more and more. Uh, and recent news you know, has left me worried about having less when we didn't have enough to begin with. But uh, let's introduce uh, Tim Mackin uh, to the, uh, back to the show. Tim's been here before, uh, the Mental Health Board Executive Director. Let, let's talk a little bit about the Mental Health Board. What is it? Who does it comprise of? What's your mission? I'm not sure everyone knows. Sure, that'd be great. Can you so pull that microphone up a little closer, please? Sure. Is that better? Uh, just a little bit higher. <laughs> there you go. Yes, the Macon County Mental Health Board is it was created based on the Mental Health Act of 1965. And so it was created... Yeah, for local governments to allow for the creation of a, um, a taxing entity to gain a tax levy to be d- uh, dedicated to providing um, mental health and substance use and developmental disability services in the community, particularly in areas that were unmet needs that were where there was not funding from other sources to cover them. Okay, and what kind of what kind of dollar amount are we talking about in, so in, in taxes? The tax levy it's about two and a half million dollars a year. Okay, so on a Typical hundred and twenty thousand dollar house. It's really, it's really minimal as far as how it impacts any particular one. Uh, and I, I, you know, I'm not the expert in the field, but I'm assuming two million dollars is in the bucket of what would probably be needed if everyone who had mental health issues came forward to ask for help. Yeah, if we were to try and fund all the unmet needs that we gather, we're our estimate right now somewhere around sixty five to seventy million dollars more it would take to fund all those unmet needs. Okay, services. so we're talking about for that to happen, a fundamentally different way of doing everything thing from the federal government on down, right? Everything has to change. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what do you do with that $2.1 million? So the, the vast majority of it is dedicated really to contracting with agencies in the community 
the human service organizations that are providing mental health substance use, developmental disability services to ensure that we can help to meet some of those unmet need areas where they can't get funding from state grants, contracts, and Medicaid. All right, give me, I, I, you don't have to give me names, but like, can you, you know, give me some examples of what that might look like? Sure. So we provide funding to making resources, for example, that okay. funds psychosocial rehab, um, various programs that they have. Um, we have funding that we help with crossing, for example, that helps cover the cost of uh, having, I believe they dedicate theirs towards the interns they have providing mental health substance use services there. And then Heritage, obviously, and then we've got contracts with Webster Cantrell Youth Advocacy, um, Boys and Girls Club, um, just there's a lot, 24 different agencies we provide funding for. Okay. And um, once again, when I talk about this, this isn't a pejorative about anybody out there that's doing the work. It's just, there's just not enough resources or money or people to do what's necessary, right? Correct. Uh, uh, And what does that look like moving forward is is the right sizing of healthcare happens. We see COVID being an accelerator in all of that. Uh, I I, I hate the phrase telehealth, but but, I mean, with the technology, you you know, uh, I'm just stunned if you take any kind of dive down into this, the length of wait for people. I mean, it's just the resources just aren't there. Right. What what needs to happen? So, so there's many variables right now impacting the entire delivery system. And some of them are, you know, were problematic prior to the pandemic, but they have been absolutely magnified and, and uh, increased dramatically. And that, uh, from, especially in the area of personnel, finding qualified people that fill the vacancies. There, there is, and I know this from a personal story, uh, recently when inquired, they're taking appointments for 2024. Wow. It's February of 23. And if somebody has a a health crisis, uh, telling them we'll see you in 11 months doesn't seem like we have anywhere near the resources in this community. And I don't think we're alone. I don't think we're anything different. I think this is what most communities look like. Yeah. You know, in the timing of it, as I said, this was a problem long before the pandemic started. The Access in gaining um, qualified employees to fill vacancies. There were staffing shortages long before this. They've been in nursing for decades, sure. as far as that. But goes. couldn't with you know with a tablet or a phone? Does that person have to be here? I mean, isn't isn't there smarter ways to do this that we could bridge gaps for people who need particularly immediate service? Yeah, the, the shift in the delivery model as far as how you provide those behavioral health services is definitely shifting. I know the pandemic forced that issue a lot, and now a lot of those agencies are sticking with that and making that available to the consumers so that they don't have to physically go to a... I mean, it just makes go. sense. If you have to have something up front, I mean, rather than t- calling somebody and they go, well, we will taking appointments for a year from now, if you could talk to somebody on your, your Apple uh, phone or your tablet, that has to be better than just saying, we'll see you in 11 months. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's nice having that option, giving people options of how they want to, to receive those services is great. All right. Well, uh, the Community Foundation is here to help uh, today, and uh, you have a, uh, a grant awarded uh, to the Mental Health Board uh, of $10,000 for a suicide awareness campaign. Um, how did this get to the point? How did this grant get approved? You know, Walk me through your side, and sure. then Tim, tell us a little about what you're going to do with this. Okay. Well, it, honestly, it all started with a phone and he said, we have this program we believe is critical, marketing campaign that, you know, re- regarding um, suicide prevention and also folks with um, substance abuse issues. But we have a $10,000 shortfall in the budget. Do you have a donor that might be interested in that? And that's what we love to do. That's why I love it when an executive director calls me and says, 
here's what's going on. Can you help? And it took a little bit, but we were able to find a donor who just was thrilled at the opportunity to be able to be a part of this. And so um, we're able to provide the grant. One of my favorite things to do is call an executive director back and say, hey, we've got this. So other folks care. And then I'll let Tim. Yeah, but it's important to note, though, uh, you know, that that's exactly what you guys do. And people can donate to where their passion is because you're not just taking their money and deciding what you're going to do with it. You're matching the things that they feel are important or care about their passion and doing that for them. Absolutely. And yeah, that, I mean, it's just an important point for people who are thinking about donating, you know, because in, in, in a lot of nonprofits, and I understand why, you know, they're going to a, a model that they don't want specifications because they need to kind mm-hmm. of feel like, and you guys are the exact opposite of that. You're absolutely matching up dollar for dollar what that donor's passion is to the resource you're providing to an organization. That That's absolutely correct, Brian. And um, that's why the relationship is so important. We get to know the donor. Yeah, and you know, and, like, it, yeah. You know, there's a list. Okay, I, I got so-and-so in mind that might do this. Now, what kind of a campaign? I, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm geeky on the market side. So, uh, yeah, what, this what? Is right up your alley, Brian. So we had, my, my board, this will be the second year where they've dedicated and approved a budget that included about $30,000 for marketing. And we did this a year ago and focusing on, again, on the crisis line stuff, suicide prevention and, and substance use issues. Um, but this year we said, look, we want to modify this a little bit. We've got an opportunity. We would like, instead of doing this in a short three month span of the year, can we spread this out over the course of the year? Well, as the planning went in, it took a longer to get developed, but this, this approach we're looking at, um, it was approved is a, um, it's covers three different areas, digital mar- marketing, um, print marketing. And then also this time what we've added is, um, television mm-hmm. with WAND. So, and theirs in particular, they, they have their um, oh, health connections uh, that they came to us with. And that was kind of the add-on that kind of made the budget bigger than what we had funding for. And so um, we wanted to increase the reach of this marketing campaign and try and impact more people. All right, guys, we appreciate it. Uh, keep up the great work. And if you want to find out more, you can go to makingkindofgives.org. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. Great job. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.